0: It's the week of December 4th in the year 2019. New comic books came out this week because they always come out on Wednesday. Albert and I delve into the possibility of Disney owning Batman. <laughs> that got your attention. Who's in control? Nobody's in control. And we kind of like it that way. So we review the Black Mask comic Nobody is in Control number three. Well, you talk about some paranoid crap going down. And once again, Marvel treats us to three mutant books. Are you celebrating New Year's? Are you going to do it with DC's New Year's Evil? Is it worth the $10 or is it not? This is Kingdom Cast's podcast. I'm Stan Daniel. With me, as always, is Albert Marsh. So, Albert. Yeah. What's going on? Oh, none much. None much. Before we get into any of the comic book stuff this week, I have something that really doesn't fall under any specific heading to this podcast. It's just something I found interesting, and I wanted to get your take on it. Do you know who Pete Davidson is? Yeah, Saturday Night Live, yeah, I know. Yes, Saturday Night Live had the meltdown after dating Ariana Grande. Puts off that goth kid, woebegone vibe. Did you hear that he made fans, and I'm assuming they're fans, if they paid the money to go see him, they're fans. That's fair, right? Yeah, I guess you could say so. He made fans sign an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement, to see his performance in Chicago. And the penalty for breaking the non-disclosure agreement was any fan that broke it would be liable for one million plus dollars. The NDA wasn't about protecting the material he was doing. The NDA specifically stated that they were not allowed to have an opinion. They couldn't post on Twitter. I loved it. I hated it. I, I mean, it, I'm sure he it, wouldn't go. Is it something being recorded for Netflix or something? Even if it was, why are the fans not allowed to have? No, it's not. It's not like okay, when Warner Brothers gets everybody in line that is currently under contract to Warner Brothers to go see a Warner Brothers movie, and it's a bad Warner Brothers movie, when they all walk out, all of the people under contract to Warner Brothers are saying, I enjoyed it. It was great. It was something else. The lighting was wonderful in this movie. Stuff like that.
1: So Why are you saying Warner Brothers when Disney does this all the time too?
0: Well, yeah, but for Disney, Uh for the analogy to work... We have to be talking about a company that consistently okay. turns out a bad product. Disney doesn't do that. Really? Disney turns out top-notch stuff. <laughs> name one good movie Disney's ever put out. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, Sleeping Beauty, Cinderella, Lady and the Tramp, Robin Hood. I said name one. Uh huh. <laughs> I can go on down the list. <laughs> anyway, he, he. What do you think about that? You're not allowed to have an opinion about my show. You're not allowed to share your opinion. I mean, I understand that this generation is playing fast and loose with freedom of speech, but that—that's kind of Orwellian. It's probably just got a bunch of bad material. Well, that's what I thought too. I mean, when this gets out, that's the only thing you think about it is that he sucks. How else can you interpret it? I don't know that he sucks. I haven't seen the show, but why aren't people allowed to have an opinion?
1: I don't—I don't know I don't on that. Like I said, the only thing I could think of, it was being recorded for something. Even though it was paid fans and it shouldn't apply to them, it would be like when big studios invite press to see a movie, and it's like, hey, you're under, you know, you can't say anything before this date. Even then, you can only say no. so much in a tweet.
0: No, according to Variety.com, that's not the case. According to Variety, this is just a show. It's not a NDA to keep the material off there. It's point blank. You cannot now nor ever comment or offer a comment on. I mean, that is, I can't imagine being an entertainer, part of being an entertainer, I would expect, is to put yourself out there and to risk the opinion, the bad opinions, the good opinions. Even if something is great and lauded, somebody is going to hate it. There's going to be, if something is absolute perfection, there's going to be that one person out there that just absolutely despises it and goes out of their way to critique it like you are with episode eight mm-hmm. um really i cannot is it hubris is it insecurity is it ego what do you think it is
1: it's probably a drug problem
0: <laughs> my drug problem is telling me the rest of you need to sign nda
1: <laughs> that's it could be it could be he, he could have like a bad drug problem or something
0: I'm not laughing at him if he has a bad drug problem. Okay, you're saying a a drug problem causes this line of thought. It could. I mean, I'm sure he's not getting up on stage and doing drugs or anything like that. Elvis had a a problem going, too. It didn't stop him. He didn't get fans to sign an NDA. Of course, it was unheard of then. Could you imagine Don Rickles having people to sign an NDA before they entered his Vegas show? I don't know who Don Rickles is. Oh, bullcrap. You do, too. (laughs) Don't you even act like was that. Was he ever on Saturday Night Live? <laughs> no, he was too good for it. Mm. And not that not that he felt he was too good for it. I am flat out saying, this man was funny. He was legitimately funny. <laughs> Julia Roberts, you live next to me at the beach. You know that. I'm living about two blocks from you. The broad never shows up. Come by and say hello. We're closer than two blocks. <laughs> you have no lines, Julia. Just nod. <laughs> anyway.
1: I'd say he was on Johnny Carson, but I never heard of Johnny Carson
0: either. So screw you, man. (laughs) I recognize the name, but it wasn't until I saw a picture of him that it it fully hit home who he was. If you put yourself out there in the public and you and I have a small bit of experience with this concerning the store, if you're in the public eye, you're in the public eye and they're going to say what they're going to say. And it's all in how you react to it. Could you imagine? Welcome to kingdom comics. Please sign this NDA. (laughs) You can talk all you want about me and Albert, but you can't mention Jason. Jason.
1: would If Jason thought he could have got away with it, he would have probably done that. If,
0: if Jason knew what an NDA was, you're damn right. He would have been handing them out as people walked in. The, no, you can't even tell Stan about me. <laughs> you never saw me. Speaking of Don Rickles, did you sit through the three and a half hour Irishman? Not yet. I don't even have Netflix right now. When you watch it, at the beginning of it, when they de-aged De Niro, give me your opinion. Because my personal opinion was, I was looking at him, I halfway had myself convinced that it was not a CGI de-aged Robert De Niro, rather somebody put Alec Baldwin in Robert De Niro makeup. Yeah. Was really kind of freaky looking, but the rest of the movie, he looked fine in. And we'll talk more about that on Media Matters. But I sat through it twice. I sat through it once and watched it. And then while I was working and doing other things, I played it again. Everybody's falling over themselves for it. I didn't think it was the best Scorsese. Three and a half hours seems like just, that's just too long for one of his movies. Dude, there's a lot they could cut out of it.
1: Because his movies are always, like, even necessarily alone, his movies are always like real snappy. Yeah. You know, they're real fast an upbeat, you know, they have a rhythm to it, but like three and a half hours of that just seems too, like I really want to watch it and I'm looking forward to it. It seems like it's a little, little, that just seems too long.
0: There could have been a lot of editing done in it. I read one of the reviews on it that said he fully utilizes every minute. Well, if by utilize, you mean leave the camera running while he goes out to get a cup of coffee and then not cut any of that out of it. Yes. Yes, he does. It really was not, not bad overall, but it was it was not it's not going to go down in history as my favorite de Niro movie, but none of that has anything to do with the subject of the podcast, which is comic books. so let's move on to that. I understand your good buddy Tom King had something interesting to throw out there during Batman Week on t n t he did what was it? He said that he believed that creators like Neil Adams and Frank Miller... He didn't say himself, to his credit. No, but he he means himself. Yeah, I know. We all know. Let's just give him credit. He didn't say himself, but we all know he means himself. (laughs) He believes that Frank Miller and Neil Adams and and other people that have contributed significantly to the character of Batman should also get co-creator status for that character. I think he's an idiot, and I think most of the,
1: I, I would go as far as, say, maybe all the people, we'll say greater than 90% of the people that would qualify for that would be, is probably completely against that. Yeah, I don't think someone like Frank Miller would ever want his name on Batman as far as a creator or creator. Role or something like that
0: no i i can't yeah okay that's a good i point. think the I old
1: can... guard from that generation people like him and neil adams is from a generation where the original creators never got proper due in their time anyway yeah. and it would be an insult to them in their mind i'm at least i think they'd probably think this to put their name in some way on the level of someone like bill finger's name so or far jack, as the... or jack kirby yeah
0: it's along the lines of Let's not make any bones about it. The X Men are what they are because of Chris Claremont. I think but there's. If,
1: I will go as far as say if there is any exception to that rule, it would be Claremont, and and you could say Byrne too on that end. It, they would be the only exception to the rule that I could think of.
0: But they would never. But at the same time, well, you know, John's an interesting character. But even he, I don't think he or Chris yeah. either one would ever put their name alongside Stan and Jack on that creators of the X-Men title. You don't even hear Claremont break down the X-Men that he did create. Kitty Pride, Gambit, the list goes on and on. If there's intent behind this, I think it's intent to get them, to get people that contributed to some of the storylines or ideas or concepts that are now appearing in the movie and other media, some form of recognition and possibly some financial compensation for that. If that's the intent, I could see having a significant contributor list, but I could never see Frank Miller's name being alongside or Neil Adams. As much as I love and admire both of their work, I could never see their name being alongside Bill Finger and Bob Kane Yeah, on the creation of Batman. Same thing for Spider-Man. Todd McFarlane and David McLaney took him a, a long way, but no, they're not even remotely co creators. Yeah, I mean, some
1: of, of these characters me. would have like a, a list a mile long, you know?
0: That's it. I mean, for instance, who created Squirrel Girl? <laughs> Is that Ditko? Was it Ditko? No. Look it up. No, it couldn't it be Ditko. Holy crap steve ditko and will murray see I knew, i knew it was ditko how in the hell did steve ditko create squirrel girl was this before or after speedball mm. yeah it was it was long after speed well it wasn't long after speedball it was speedball first appeared i think in 1988 in amazing spider-man annual number no. 21 squirrel girl first appeared marvel superheroes volume 2 number no. 8 winter 1991 I had no idea that Steve Ditko created Squirrel Girl. How did you know that? I don't know. I just knew it, I guess. I'm not even sure how that makes sense. I can understand where Speedball came from. I know how awkward that sentence sounds, but but Squirrel Girl? This is Steve. Do you have the moral authority to draw a hero, Ditko? <laughs> he asked an artist that once.
1: <laughs> I mean, hell oh, yeah, but he invented like Spider-Man works 30 years before that. Well,
0: that's what I'm saying. The man, you know, the co-creator of Spider-Man co-created Squirrel Girl. Holy crap. And also Doctor Strange. But I mean, it, it just, wow. She's got staying power. I use her as a punchline, but she's cute. She's funny. She had that scene with Wolverine, which was absolutely hysterical. In conclusion to the conversation of, do you think that there should be other people listed as co-creators that contributed significantly to these characters. You're saying absolutely not.
1: No, I would give a small to some exception of the rule, depending on the type on the book, you could put Ed Brubaker for winter soldier, man. I maybe, I don't, I don't know. That may be pushing it but, yeah, outside of Claremont. That's the, like something like Claremont would be the only one that I would ever give that
0: ex- really just give something like that an, an exception to. But you open up that door, it's like you said earlier yeah. that that's a mile long list that people are going to be clamoring, and then it it would go to the courts eventually because somebody will scream that they have contributed tr- just as much to Batman as Frank Miller has. Yeah, that would be
1: an issue. Tom King, I mean, in reality, it's Tom King trying to stroke his ego. So I mean, you can't if someone's on a book for fifty something issues. They don't, I mean, I think Tom King will end up being like eighty. 80- Five or something the next issue. Like, that doesn't necessarily mean they had any type of real lasting effect that mattered.
0: That's it. You won't be able to tell that until 10 years down the line. And 10 years down the line, most people are not... This is a gluttonous situation inside of Batman and a couple of other books right now. And they're just... They're not going to have the staying power of Watchmen, of Dark Knight, or Green Arrow, the Longbow Hunters, or you name it. Grant Morrison's JLA. Or Matt Fraction's Jimmy Olsen. Or Matt Fraction. It's definitely that's going to be something you can pick up at any time and just read. I don't know that
1: that that does have some references that are a little too specific to now, but but I consider that like the definitive Jimmy
0: Olsen comic
1: is what we're getting out of that.
0: I do too. Yeah, I really think that's significant. I mean, it's only the Manhunter reference. People will forget that. Nobody's going to remember this Manhunter crap in about ten years or so. I say that because comic books, you're going a month at a time for one issue on the majority of comic books, unless you're Batman, then you seem to come out every 15 minutes. I have not seen anything with the staying power. Yeah. And given this week's Batman, well, Doomsday Clock hasn't occurred yet. They set up a timeline and well, doomsday the, Clock. Well, the hasn't
1: issue, occurred. G- going back to things having a lasting effect, is because not everything exists in a bubble.
0: Yeah, of, that's of
1: true. the writer, then like once the writer's off a book, that's sort of it. You know, the next writer will come
0: on and they won't there's no real acknowledgement or anything. No, it, you just pop over to whatever the next storyline is. I I don't think they're going to be able to do that with Immortal Hulk. Immortal Hulk is going to have to acknowledge or Hulk in the future will have to acknowledge this Immortal Hulk run. When you say it, that,
1: what?
0: it will be a poor choice on Marvel to ever ignore this. They've added too much to the character. This is as significant as Peter David stuff, and I don't say that lightly because I am a huge Peter David fan. Now, along the same lines, he's not the only one. King is not the only one that thought they'd throw out something interesting this week. Did you read the Forbes story about Warner Brothers has no idea what to do with the Superman films or Superman has a property because they can't make it relevant? Yeah, I read that. I got angry at Forbes and then I realized Forbes is just reporting. Warner Brothers was telling Forbes this. Then I got really angry at Warner Brothers. Then I got even more angry at Cavell. <laughs> I know I'm mispronouncing it. You don't have to send anything. I'll pronounce his name well, correctly. I
1: think, I think, like, the,
0: you know, just let people pitch whatever and. If someone's got a good idea, use it. I got an even better solution for you. You didn't see what was tweeted today, did you? Uh, no, I was too busy reading like 500 comics. Now, Albert, there are worse things to be doing with your time. Neil Gaiman, Neil Gaiman tweeted out, quoting the article and throwing it back to DC, and he was real simple, and he was real concise on this, and he says, point blank, when it comes to Superman films, you don't make it relevant, you make it inspiring.
1: Yeah, I read that. I read that. I saw that.
0: So, how do you feel about Neil now? <laughs> He's still overrated. I think Neil is our guy. <laughs> Neil is my guy. <laughs> Grant Morrison's my guy. I'm pretty sure Grant Morrison would point-blank agree with gaming on this. Oh, I'm, su- I'm sure he would. I'm, I'm sure 100% they'd
1: both agree with that.
0: Or he'd yeah, agree I'd... with Neil. Right there. You've got it right there from Neil Gaiman, Warner Brothers. He included you in the tweet. You don't make him relevant. You make him inspiring. And that's what Superman is. It's because y'all don't understand what Superman is supposed to be, that you're having so much problem, and you cast a moody Chad in the role that doesn't respect it at all. Not a big fan of the Aquaman movie, but by God, I applaud Jason Momoa's enthusiasm for it. Less so about the Apple TV Series C. <laughs> well. You really need to see that, though, Albert. <laughs>
1: but I think the problem with superhero movies is that they're all hyper-modernized, and it doesn't work with... Superman doesn't necessarily have to be hyper-modernized, or even needs
0: to be, or even works when you do it that way. The example is Captain America. As much as I love the character of Captain America, I never thought they'd be able to make him work as a movie. And they more than made him work. the the greatest moment in Avengers endgame, arguably, is Cap and the Hammer or Cap saying Avengers Assemble. And that's what you make Superman. You make him inspiring.
1: I didn't I never liked how he said Avengers Assembled in that movie. <laughs> he just goes, Avengers assembled. And that's sort of like how he says it. Like, just like it wasn't nothing.
0: <laughs> Well, so long as we're listing things off about things we didn't like in superhero movies, get out your pad and let me start with Justice League. (laughs) Oh, I also saw something, speaking of that, where Zack Snyder showed an actual picture and said something like, there is a Snyder cut of Justice League. Well, put
1: it out there. They'll slap it up on HBO Max or whatever the hell they're going to call that thing.
0: Uh, HBO Max is going to have a Friends reunion. Boy, they're already trying to themselves up. So, yeah, slap it on HBO, man. I'm all for it. Let's see the Snyder cut. I don't think it's going to, in all honesty, do you think a Snyder cut is going to make the Justice League eons better? I, no, I don't even want to watch it if they do release it. No, I'd watch it. I'm curious. I want to see if they put Army Hammer in it, his Green Lantern. They had him in there. Yeah. They, they just cut him out. Now, I don't know for a fact it was Army Hammer, but we know they had a Green Lantern in it given the, the name of some of the musical scores and given the previews to it, but they just completely cut him out. You even look at the posters and tell where he's missing. I'm curious to see it. I mean, I don't know that no better nor any worse. I'm just curious to see it. It'd give yeah. us something else to talk about on media mass. Anyway, those were the more interesting tweets to come out this week. Unfortunately, and I don't, you know, you probably know who, who she is. DC Fontana died Monday, this past Monday. DC Fontana is responsible for most of what you think of when you think of the original Star Trek. She's responsible for the majority of the great episodes. Okay. Yeah, she was a writer and she called herself DC because they didn't think the general public would be okay with a woman writing this. I don't know what sort of world it was back then that that was necessary but anyway she passed away on Monday and we're all a little poor for that she also did I think she did a few next generations as well and aside from that we're not going to go deep into it but damn did you see Watchmen yes yeah, I saw Watchman. oh my god hey and I didn't realize that her husband's name till that point Well, she was calling him Cal yeah as in Callel that had to have been intentional given the woman's name that Lady True brought the baby to Lois Clark sister Knight's husband's first name was Cal damn what a show that's yeah, a very good show I don't, I don't i just
1: so i don't know there's just something off about it i can't quite put, place it but it's well, a really, call- really great show so, so far it's a great show it seems like to me like there's like they could do one thing and it would just like completely turn me off of the show but so far they haven't done that
0: yeah, no, I'm all in. Hey, well, they took me from somebody that was like, "Ah, crap, y'all don't know what you're doing." To the third episode, completely had started changing my mind, and then by episode five, I'm I'm a believer. Yeah. I'm really, really enjoying this well beyond anything, any amount of enjoyment I thought I'd get out of it. And we'll talk about it. We'll record Media Mess Sunday night after the next episode of it, and then we'll probably do a special Media Mess for the last episode of it and get it out, a shorter Media Mess. You want to do Mail first or you want to get to the reviews? We can do Mail first. Okay. Mr. Patterson writes and asks, and I'm going to ask you this. Why is the Adam West Batman series not on the DC Universe streaming channel? Does it have Oh, anything- I don't I don't know. Does it have anything to do with the rights to it? I recall Fox and Warner Brothers arguing back and forth over the rights.
1: No, I thought they finally ironed all that out, and that's why we got a physical release of it off. I don't know about streaming. I don't know if streaming was nailed down in that or not. Well,
0: according to what I'm reading, DC sold the rights back in the 60s to Fox before they were even owned by Warner Brothers. And Fox has owned it ever since. Now, that's the Batman Adam West TV show. And it wasn't until 2014 that the series was released on DVD and Blu-ray because of it, but Warner Brothers and Fox had come to an agreement about that. This agreement, though, almost certainly does not include streaming rights, so don't expect it on DC Universe anytime soon. Wow, do you know what that means? What? That means that Disney owns Batman. No, it doesn't. Oh, well, let me see. Disney bought Fox. Fox owned Batman. Ergo, Disney owns Batman. That doesn't even make sense. Oh, it makes perfect sense, pal. I trust that right now, this very moment, <laughs> the cheese at Disney is realizing this and they're demanding Warner Brothers turn over any and all Batman material to them immediately. I can almost hear the Russo Brothers' phone ringing right now. <laughs> <laughs> Cancel Moon night, we got the real one. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> However, he's CGI Adam West, but we trust that you'll make that work. <laughs> 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 well that's why because Fox owns the, still owns the TV series rights and apparently that whatever they did to get the DVD and the Blu-rays out did not include streaming rights to it and now it's resting safe in Mickey Mouse's vault <laughs> <laughs> oh my god they could put that on Disney Plus no they couldn't why couldn't they? because they don't own the whole thing no, they came to an agreement about DVD and Blu-ray rights. I'm going to look into this. We may be able to get Batman, the 1966 TV series, on Disney Plus. Who's we? Well, me, Mickey, Bob Iger. <laughs> you know Mickey's not real, right? I don't know, dude. He's responsible for more than has happened in the world since in 1928 than any other individual walking on the face of it at the moment. I mean, he's no Hitler. <laughs> Hitler just hit a peak and then dropped. <laughs> Mickey's oh, been horrible. Mickey's, Mickey's been like, It's not horrible. You're comparing him to people that's had an impact on history. Nobody doubts that Hitler has had an impact on history because none of us can get through one day of our lives without hearing his name. Have you noticed that? I mean, I'm pretty sure I do. No, you don't. I regularly say it to you. <laughs> I'll make sure that I tweet you or, or call you or message you at least once a day and say, hey, you thought about Hitler today? <laughs> I'm serious, though. Anybody listening to this, though, I challenge you. Go through a day and count. Uh, pay close attention. Listen for it and see how long you can go in one week without hearing the name Hitler. It's impossible, man. We're obsessed with it. You know, you you need to kind of fill in here, too. <laughs> Well, I don't know what you want me to say about Hitler. Well, you don't have to say anything good about him. He was a horrible person. He was. We got evil. all them movies about him. Well, and we've got, like, what, three cable stations dedicated to him. What do you think the History Channel shows in Germany instead of World War II Hitler <laughs> footage? <laughs> do you think they, like, run well, they don't show.
1: The, they mostly just show alien crap
0: now, so... Man, I'm seeing it. Every night I turn it on, and it's... Well, uh, to be fair, in the last week... I was flipping stations or looking on the guide channel. Under History Channel, it did say Hitler and the aliens. Yeah. And that was on one of the history channels. You know, they're combining them both. It must have been sweeps week. But seriously, do you think like in place of all the World War II stuff and the Hitler documentaries in, in Germany, since you can't talk about Hitler openly or see programs about him or anything like that, you think History Channel like runs documentaries on cheese factories or something? I don't know what they'd
1: show. <laughs> History Channel Deutschland presents. It's probably like stuff blaming Austria. Can y'all believe what Austria did? No,
0: that's a, <laughs> this little son of a bitch from Austria.
1: <laughs> They've been blaming it on us the whole time.
0: <laughs> we just we were just their neighbors. <laughs> I think we kind of need to move on from here. Yes. <laughs> So, Bob, so, Bob Patterson, we hope that that answered your question. Why? I don't see how it did, but. Why is Adam West Batman series not on the DC Universe channel? The answer was Hitler. (laughs) Well, moving right along, Eric writes, I had a thought about the podcast. Since people like, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm now interrupting Eric's letter. I'm tired of saying negative things about a certain individual because it feels like we're picking on that individual and we are not picking on that individual. We are having a problem with what that individual is writing and the fact that this individual thinks it's Shakespearean in scope. So I'm just not going to say the name in Eric's letter. But Eric writes, I had a thought about the podcast. Since people like insert individual's name here, are running some of my favorite books. For the podcast, could you guys recommend and go over some of the best story arcs, single issues, or crossovers in comics? Like a recommended reading list and tell us why you guys like those story arcs, issues, runs, or crossovers. You could go over how they were received when they were released, how people view them now, things like that. As if you guys aren't busy enough. Are you too busy to do this, Albert? (laughs) I guess. I don't know. (laughs) I'm still really enjoying the podcast a lot. I'm curious about what the latest news is on the Kingdom website. I know that's no easy task. Well, before we get to the meat of what you've asked there, a real quick update about the Kingdom website. It is coming. It's coming in early 2020, but we're looking at what we're going to do with it. Uh, I've sat down and had some serious talks with the people that are helping me with it and we're wanting to make it relevant and fun and everything else for you there's a lot that we're working on behind the scenes so just stay tuned now as to the rest of it let, let's do that albert let's just name a best story arc for eric each and then we'll try to do that each week something from the past what do you think What comes to mind, let's say that he's talking about, oh, I don't know, Batman. So aside from The Dark Knight, and assume that Eric knows about the Tim Sale, Jeff Loeb books, The Long Halloween, and what was the other one? Uh, Dark Victory. Dark Victory and The Long Halloween. What would you recommend? Maybe something more recent, something that gets overlooked in the Batman pantheon?
1: I don't know. I've always sort of really liked, for the most part, I've liked uh, Hush. But that's a fairly, po- that's a lower down one of the most popular Batman stories.
0: Yeah, you probably, that's the trouble with Batman, is if it's out there, if it's Batman, most people know about it. Now, my recommendation would be, and I know people know about it, but I still think it's a pretty solid read, is actually when the earthquake struck Gotham, No Man's Land, has odd of a setup and a premises that was... It still worked. It was still, all in all, a pretty good read and gave a little bit of a different dynamic to the whole Batman and Gotham setup.
1: Yeah. Did you there like is, that?
0: Yeah, I, I was
1: okay with that. Some of the Batman crossovers, they, they're just too just too much for me. Like I just, At some point in time, crossovers get so big that I don't like them anymore. And a lot of the Batman uh, crossovers from the 90s or early 2000s, like that era, like from Nightfall forward, a lot of them, they're just so overly involved. I just want to lose lose track of them to an extent.
0: There's an older one too that came out before the No Man's Land storyline. It was a prestige format series. I think it was four issues. It was called Batman the Cult. And I remember
1: it, that. That was
0: a good one. Yeah, that that was good. It was eerie. It was a little bit offsetting and it was not something that was easily solved swinging in and beating up people. Uh, Bernie Wrightson did the art on that, didn't he? Yeah, I remember, yeah, I remember
1: uh, there was a, uh, Matt Wagner did it. It was Batman and the Monster Man. Oh, I and remember was, that. Yeah, and it it was a miniseries covering like his early Batman's early stuff with I think Hugo Strange or whatever. It was like a retelling of like their first encounter or something like that. And that was and, the, and I think it did like a couple maybe a couple mini series like that, but those were real good.
0: All right. So there's you a couple, Eric. Maybe that helps a little bit. And we'll try to refine this and each week have a little bit where we talk about some of the stuff that is not so obvious that you may have to special order or something that we recall. But right now, yeah, my recommendation would be No Man's Land. Uh, my Albert, you both, we both recommend No Man's Land, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I would recommend this it. pretty good one. And the cult Batman and the Monster Men by Matt Wagner. Look, also, not all of the Batman Spirit team ups are great, but the first one was really good. From Dynamite. Yeah, it was uh, good. Yeah, the first Batman Spirit crossover was pretty good. And not to be too terribly ridiculous, but the first Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was good. Mm -hmm. It wasn't bad at all. It's not, you know, it's not Dark Knight level. It's not going to change comics forever, but it's entertaining stories. So we'll try to refine this going forward, not just recommend Batman, book, but other books uh, and other storylines and such like you suggest. So thank you for the suggestion. Moving on, we got one final letter here, and this is from Kara. I believe Kara has met us both at the library events, and she has written in, I think it's so very odd how men blame Kathleen Kennedy for everything they don't like about Star Wars, but when they do like something, such as The Mandalorian, they claim she had nothing to do with it. Do they understand about the way this business is structured? What's the excuse? They cannot have it both ways. Either she is responsible for all of it, or she's responsible for none of it. No, nope, but I disagree with that. I don't. You know, I've seen everything on The Mandalorian. I She she greenlit it. There's no bypassing well, Kathleen well, Kennedy. To, yeah, she green lit it, but she didn't. Uh, I guarantee
1: you she wasn't hovering over Jon Favreau every day on set telling him what to do and what he can do.
0: I believe that Jon Favreau used his connections in Marvel to holler at Kathleen Kennedy, pitched it. I believe there's a synergy going on there, but I don't think it's like, and it's not just you. This was something we encountered at the sci-fi fantasy event at the library from other individuals with the Kathleen Kennedy situation. But yeah, it's got to go through Kathleen. Kathleen is not—it's a difference between
1: going through and her over and
0: her overseeing the, the whole project. Well, she's not overseeing the whole project. John Favreau pitched it to her. Kathleen no, of course she's you not. Know. That's why—that's it. why it's good. She's not overseeing the whole movies either. Yes, she is ryan johnson wrote no, that, the last that, jedi it, it doesn't matter It's not his movie it's completely okay it doesn't matter it's not john favreau's tv series it's, it is his show because he john favreau show. ryan johnson had as much control over no he had no control yes he did he, he had, had zero extra. control dude i am telling you right now if you go back in the timeline and read every interview, you will see that this was John Favreau's baby from the beginning. Yeah. And they Ryan let John- him, they let him off. I'm sorry, that this was Ryan Johnson's baby no. from the beginning and in the incarnation and that they let him do what he wanted to with it. And the result no, is, and the result is that we've got a movie in The Last Jedi that far surpasses any other movies in the series. But Baby Yoda is cute. <laughs> I tell you what, we will set aside a time and we will have a big talk about this. We will do a special all Star Wars episode before the 20th. Is that good? If we can
1: uh, We'll have to watch the movie first.
0: Oh, okay. So after episode nine? After the movie and after the TV okay. show's finished, we'll do it. Okay. All right. That's it. Y'all heard it here first. Yeah, we got a lot on our plate. We got the Christmas special and Chris Faison pronounced face on coming up too let's talk about some comics what'd you read this week was good albert i don't know there's some crap this week where you, you want to do independent
1: Marvel, or dc first
0: let's, i tell you what let's start off with the independence because the independents were really kind of kicking butt this week i thought yeah let's start off with image comics and talk about 20 xx number one writer lauren Keeley with jonathan luna and the art by jonathan luna as well And I think the last time we saw something big from uh, Jonathan Luna was with his brother, and it was the S.W.O.R.D. series, which started off real good, but kind of disappeared over time. I wasn't really expecting much from 20XX. I got a lot more than I was expecting. I actually ended up being intrigued by this book and enjoying it. What did you think? I thought it was a real good issue, one. I
1: I was sort of iffy. Yeah? Yeah. I guess like the first two-thirds of the book, it didn't do much with me. But by the end of that issue, I enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to issue too.
0: The first thing I made a note of was I think the general population believes that there's a lot more going on in Alaska than there actually is. Yeah. But you know, but you see that this is set in the future. I thought it was very well done. It really did draw you in over the story. There's some unique concepts here, yet it's all humanity is dealing with the potential global disaster but life is going on daily life is going on anyway and there's kind of a unique ish twist to it and and feel to it so it, it's it in humans that's what it's all it is, is in humans really you think so because i didn't get that yeah uh, the concepts the what's it's going like on the
1: so. mist, you know like if you
0: you get the flu yeah so... that particular flu that particular yeah this sort of reminded me of uh in humans a little bit I can see it like the Terrigan Mist that swept over the Marvel Universe, but I'm much more interested in this. But I'm definitely down for the ride on this, and I, I'm happy to see at least one of the Luna brothers back, because I really enjoyed their first offering, Girls. That was weird. That was a good book. It, it really was. It was weird, and, and it was all over the place. I gave this one four across the board. Luna Brothers' art, or Jonathan Luna's art, is not going to be for everybody, but it's not bad art. It's all anatomically correct. Uh, he stages it well. He tells a story with it. There's things in his art that you need to pay attention to. But again... I know there are people out there that don't care much for his art, but I still gave his art a four. I gave the writing a four, dynamic a four, score a four. I think it's worth your three dollars and ninety-nine cents for twenty XX number one from Image Comics. Don't you? What'd you give it? Yeah, I gave the writing a four. I gave the art a three. I don't really. I'm a little iffy on the art, but the dynamic I gave a four too. That's a fair score. So you basically gave it a three point five, and yeah, I gave it a four. Yeah, it's, it's a good first issue, and look. That's becoming a more and more rare thing. We went back. We had skipped Dead Eyes number two, and we came back to Dead Eyes number three by Jerry Dugan and artist John McCrae on it. Damn, this book rocks! I didn't read that. Why did I miss that? I don't know. You weren't able to read Dead Eyes number three.
1: No, I did read one and two. I have not read three yet.
0: Okay. Well, so far, what's your opinion on? We know your opinion on one. What was your opinion on one and two? There, there is a great book. It this really, is a really, really good book. Yeah. Dead Eyes is worth your time. It's worth your effort. This is outstanding book. Dugan is kicking butt in it with his writing. Everything about this comic book works to me. And it's one of the most engaging street level dramas. I think so far in three issues, it's one of the most engaging street level dramas to hit comics. Yeah. Yeah. It's not asking a lot of suspension of disbelief. It's wonderful characterization. You're really into it. You're really concerned for them. You feel for the characters in it and everything. I gave uh, the writing a five, the art a four, the dynamic a five, overall a score of 4.5. And given that you haven't read number three, but you've read number one and two, where are you with me on that? We'd have the same score on that. That's a solid book. It is a solid read, and I cannot recommend that enough. I really, really ended up liking this book. Yeah, Dead Eyes, number three is out this week. Go in and find reprints of number one and two and and run with it. All right, now one that you picked up and have got me reading is Strange Skies Over East Berlin. Number three of that also came out this
1: yeah. week. Yeah, That's been a real good book. I really enjoyed this issue a whole lot.
0: I did, too. It's surreal and intense, and it's even haunting. It yeah. really yeah, he's doing a writer is Jeff Loveness and the artist is Lazandro Estherin. Really, I am all about this Cold War thriller that has very little to do with the Cold War and more to do with human condition. Yeah. It's got a monster in it or it's got an alien in it. I wouldn't call it a monster, but that's not the point of this book. I gave The Writing a four, The Art of four, and The Dynamic a five. My score was a 4.5 on Strange Skies over East Berlin from Boom Comics. What was your scoring?
1: I gave The Writing a five, The Art of four, and The
0: Dynamic a five. So we're both right there together on it. We can, Yeah, we can't recommend this book enough. Now, look, the independents have been knocking it out of the park this week. There is a whole lot of good stuff coming out from them. Let's see, Black Mask Publishing, Nobody is in Control, number three. Issue number one came out a long time ago, then issue number two came out last month, and they're on time with issue number three, writer Patrick Kindlin, artist Paul Tucker on it.
1: I really like this book. Uh, I like the way they structure it. And like I said before, I like the way how they, when he's telling a story or explaining something, the art sort of reflects that to keep you interested in it. I don't really know what the actual plot of this comic is, and there may not actually be a plot.
0: Well, you see, I was questioned that last page tells me there's a definitive or situation, yeah. yeah, definitive situation going on. So this rambling about these not quite conspiracy conspiracy theories that one of the two main characters is doing throughout the book, it's about to all come together. This is a very different type of comic book. You don't know, is this book genius? Is it delusionally insane? It, yeah, it's almost borderline on rambling. Yeah, but it's not. He's I mean, cohesive. It's a little, it's more yes yeah. co- yeah, it's, it's a little bit more
1: cohesive but like it was just a slightly bit off if you just heard someone saying all this and you didn't have like a structure of, of these two guys having a conversation in a comp in a, in a book about it it's just
0: rambling nonsense almost you read what he's saying you read what you know could possibly be rambling you research the topics You've got Google right there on your computer, so it doesn't take much to research the topic that the character is bringing up. You you kind of go a little bit further into the rabbit hole of this. There's some valid points being raised by this character outside of the comic book, but you really don't know what's around the corner. Yeah, you do not know. This book surprised me. When there's a development in this book that actually surprised me because I was toying with what this book was trying to be. This could possibly be brilliant. It's all going to be in the landing on this. But Nobody is in Control Number 3 by Black Mask Publishing. I strongly say buy it. Writing was a five. The art is a four. The art is perfectly fitting to the book and changes with the tone of what's being talked about. And the dynamic is definitely a five because this is a comic book that kind of gives you homework. Score 4.5 for me.
1: Yeah, the scores would be the same. I also got the theory that the white guy, that he's the actual
0: sleeper agent. Well, I don't know. I could see that, but I, I... He's some dude that lives out in the woods, middle of the woods for no good reason. Yeah, but he's supposed to be like, not Art Bell, but what's the guy's name that took over for Art Bell on the radio show, Coast to Coast AM? Uh, anyway, he's—he's right. he's like a he's like a retired conspiracy radio show host. I don't know. You could be right. We'll have to wait and see. That's the beauty of this. It could be that... It could be the other guy. It may not be either. We don't know. I mean, we legitimately do not know the way it's written. I'm down for this. This is a good book. Let's get to something else this week. Dark Horse Comics put out a couple of number ones. Kill Whitey Donovan. As some of you know, we're in Birmingham, Alabama, and this book was actually written by one of Birmingham's own, Sidney Duncan. The art is by Natalie Barahona. And it's a dark horse publication in conjunction with 12 gauge comics. Kill Whitey Donovan. I've been waiting on this book a little bit. You got to read it, didn't you Albert? Yeah, I read it. Well, hit me up. What do you think? I enjoyed it. I thought it was a pretty good opening issue. I thought they they did a good job with it. I thought the writing stood out more than anything. And I'm not kissing up Sydney or anything. What makes this book is the writing. The art was a bit off for me. It wasn't throw me out of the book, but there was a couple of situations where I was thinking, uh, and the three tone coloration, it doesn't serve this book as well as it does the ride, which is another one of 12 gauges publications. Yeah. The toned down coloring is not serving this book as well as I think it does in the ride. Now, aside from my problem, with those two things, it is the story that brings you into it and keeps you going. It's intense action, almost from the opening page. The book does make you uncomfortable. It's set in the Civil War era. It's a Civil War drama that looks to have... It's setting us up for a few twists and turns. We can tell that. It kind of slap you in the face first issue to get you going. So I'm anxious to see where the rest of the storyline goes. I gave the writing a 4, the art a 2, the dynamic I gave a 3. So my overall score for Kill Potty Donovan was a 3, but you should definitely pick up the first issue. I
1: wasn't as hard on the art, so like I gave yeah. the writing a 4 and the art and dynamic a 3.
0: So you're you're about 3.5. So yeah. we're both at this is it's a solid book and this may turn out to be one of those things where the art ends up fitting this book perfectly. Yeah. But at the moment, I, I there's a couple of things that just kind of distracted me slightly. Not knocked me out of it, but just kind of distracted me with the art. So Kill Whitey Donovan, we both think that's worth your money. How about Butcher of Paris, number one, written by Stephanie Phillips and art by Dean Kotz?
1: Yeah, that one was really good. I really like that one.
0: Well, it's based on a true story. And I mean, oh my God, talk about an opportunist. Uh, yeah. The situation is, is you've got a serial killer in World War II, France, a small town in France. And he's taking advantage of the Jews trying to escape the Nazis by drugging them and chopping them up and doing things to them. So yes. this is...
1: And the, and the thing is, like, if you think about it, it would, that's its own cover for what he's doing. Yeah. Because, like, it's just those people were looking to leave anyway. So if they don't show up places or people don't see them, people just assume that, hey, that they, they left.
0: It's you know? based... Yeah, it's based on a real situation. I mean, this really, uh, the circumstances and the main points of this book, they really happened. And yeah, you're right. These are Jews trying to disappear from France because of the Nazi occupation, yeah, this individual is helping them disappear, all right. Just not the way anybody wants them to. Disturbing, uh, I had the same problems with the art on this that I did on Whitey Donovan. It almost was like he didn't finish certain parts of the art to me on this, but the writing was a four, the art was a two, the dynamic was a three, the score was a three. Yeah, this one's worth your money, too. This is a good start. It's, It's really quite disturbing, especially when you know it happened in reality or... The main parts of it did.
1: Yeah, it's a very, very good book. And I I don't know of the story, so like, it's not—it's real life, so you can sort of figure out where it's going. But I don't.
0: But I've never heard of this before. This. Oh no, I hadn't heard of it before this either. I just, you know, know, at the opening of the comic, it says that it's a true story, and then after I read it, I went and googled it a bit, and dang, yeah, it was. What was your score on it? I
1: gave the writing a four and art dynamic a three.
0: Again, you you gave it up there, but we both recommend from Dark Horse, both Butcher of Paris and Whitey Donovan. That takes us out of the anything that is not the big two this week. Albert, your call, Marvel or DC? We should probably do DC last. Let's do DC last. Let's go over to Marvel Comics. I tell you what, since we're going to start Marvel Comics, let's do all three of the Annihilation Scourge books that came out this week. Kind of do them together. Is yeah. that okay? Yeah, I figured that's how we'd do them. Three of them were released this week, and it's the reading order should be Annihilation Scourge Alpha, Annihilation Scourge Fantastic Four, and then Annihilation Scourge Nova. That's the order that they need to be read in. This again is something that when I saw it on the list, I was like, I'm not really looking forward to this. Annihilation story that reset the Marvel Galactic setup. It was good. But I, I get real tired of Annihilus real fast. The opening to it, Alpha, Annihilation Scourge Alpha, I thought it was a very fair opening. And I gave that issue threes across the board. But this was this was a fair opening, I thought, to two better stories. What what was your initial response to it? I liked them all. I thought they were all real good. Well, I gave the least score I gave on it was to Alpha, and it was a three. That's not a bad score at all. Annihilation Scourge, Fantastic Four, I really enjoyed. I thought this was going to be the pinnacle of it, and I just kind of thought Nova was going to drop off after there because we've had so many problems over the years with people writing Nova. Yeah. Matthew Rosenberg, the writer on this Nova one-shot, this, he really has it down pat. I like his interpretation of Nova. This is a Nova that you could easily walk into the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, be excited about or enjoy. He's a little bit of an alcoholic. <laughs> it's still Richard Scott, isn't it? I mean Richard Ryder. I'm sorry. It, yeah. Richard Ryder. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's Ryder. Yeah, Annihilation Nova was exciting, engaging, funny as hell. I thought it was a great story. Fantastic four was what the fantastic four should be dealing with the unknowns and multiple realities and in the negative zone and other places.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The fantastic four is just like, to me, it was
0: just a solid fantastic four issue. It really, really was. This is where you want the Fantastic Four. This is what you want them dealing with. There was wonderful characterization work on Johnny Storm, and we don't get that often. Yeah. You know, Johnny's always written as a smart butt, kind of a jokester. There's Christos Gage wrote Annihilation Scourge, Fantastic Four. He layered the character out. He was respectful of the character's history with the negative zone and the horrors he suffered there. I gave both Nova and Fantastic Four, I gave them both fours across the board. I think, on average, we'll just say
1: they averaged out. I think I gave like all of them pretty much like fours. All right. And I gave... really liked the way Annihilus was
0: in this. I did too. <laughs> uh, one of the Nova Corps even killed me once. He was a great warrior, scary, horrifying. That was me. <laughs> no. No, that no I was <laughs> you. Oh, I knew it all, what are you talking about? This is a long time ago. I know all you humans look alike to me, but no, this guy was big. This guy was intimidating. He's a brave warrior. Yeah. Yeah, the dialogue's great. It's enjoyable. It's a lot of fun. I know we're getting into your wallet here, but all three of them are worth it. Or at least I thought so. Did you? Yeah, get them all. Now, moving on to another section of it that we'll do these two together, the 2099 stuff. Ghost Rider 2099 number one and Venom 2099 number one. Let's start with Ghost Rider, written by Ed Brisson, art by Damian Cachero. I mean, I didn't really care for it too much. I didn't either. And I i was writing it off as me being so tired of all the damn Ghost Riders. This really seemed like a cheap Judge Dread Mortal Engines ripoff yeah. kind of hybrid thing. Did you get that feeling? Yeah, also the plot in this
1: book where they go rob that truck and they find the stuff in it. I've read a chunk of cyberpunk stuff over the years. I think I've read half a dozen stories that have the same plot. They rob some vehicle or some truck or something and they find something in it and it sort of sets off the rest of the story. This is not, like, it's not remotely original at all.
0: This would be weak sauce in the 90s. Yeah. Yeah, you can pass on this. I gave it a one across the board. I like, look, Brisson has written some stuff I like, but this ain't it. And this was really quite uninspired. So Ghostwriter 2099, I didn't care for. Venom 2099 by Jody Alser and Francisco Mobile was far better than I think it had a right to be. The symbiote god thing really should be wearing on me, but for some reason it's not quite to that point yet. What was your take on Venom? I didn't care for this one either. Okay, you didn't care for it. I was actually, I read Venom before I read Ghost Rider. If I'd read Ghost Rider first, I may have been a little more put out with Venom. I think I read Venom first too. I actually kind of like Venom. Uh, and I'm not a big Venom fan or anything, but that Venom 2099, it had its points to me. I at least thought the characters were interesting and the way they were keeping the Venom symbiote. I, I thought, oh, yeah, I can yeah, see the, for that. The main
1: character is better. Yeah. Considerably better than the Ghost Rider book, but it, but it just didn't do anything for me.
0: They're very reminiscent also of the Venom movie plot. Yeah. For some reason, I like Venom considerably better than Ghost Rider. I think Venom—it's safe for me to say that for Venom fans, Venom is worth the money. If you're not necessarily a Venom fan, save your money. I gave this one threes across the board. What'd you give it? I gave both books like straight twos. Okay, both books straight twos. I gave Ghost Rider Ven- one. Venom, Venom is better. But it's yeah,
1: just it's, they're really just the same to me. They're just they just ain't anything there for me.
0: I was never a big fan of the twenty ninety nine lineup. So it kind of surprised me. I, I think I think I gave Venom a three because hey, I don't hate this book. Yeah. You know, and, and then I was excited about Ghost Rider number ghostwriter twenty ninety nine and I wasn't excited about it. Venom made it more palatable to me. I'm done with the ghostwriters. Needs to be just one ghostwriter. Let's see here. Okay. Old Man Quill came to an end this week with number 12 it's written by ethan sachs art by robert gill basically albert what i want to do with this since it came to an end is there's going to be a trade out of this book in a couple of weeks and overall i've read the entire series even though we didn't talk about it other than maybe once or twice i wanted to get your opinion what do you think the trade is worth buying
1: yeah i think as a whole it it tells a pretty good story there's enough there
0: meet to justify the 12 issues So you're saying that The Trade would be something decent to pick up to read? Yeah. I thought it had its moments throughout, but its moments did not make an overall memorable story. It's another rehash, another take on the Old Man Logan future, and I kind of think that the Old Man Logan alternate timeline needs to go away for a little while. I wouldn't necessarily recommend buying The Trade unless you're just a Peter Quill fan. And again, he's responsible for most of the good moments in it. It's interesting, and there's a quick fix at the end, that you can almost see coming, but eh, I, I wasn't overly taken with it. But I'm not overly taken with, I didn't care for Old Man Hawkeye. I don't care for the Old Man movement since Logan. I love Old Man Logan. I loved uh, the, Wolver- the original Wolverine story. We, we have milked this cow to death. Yeah, and, I like this one well enough, but yeah, there really ain't much to do with that world. No, I'm I'm in agreement with you. You want to discuss some X people again? Boy, they're hitting us with three X books a week apparently. Yeah, we got three on this week. Okay, well let's start off with Excalibur number three. Writer Tenny Howard, artist Marcus Two, and Albert. I kind of think this is going to be the last Excalibur we review until there's a dynamic change in it.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean I'll, I'll keep reading it, but there just ain't there ain't much of a
0: book here. So oh, I'll I'll read it keep in touch with it but this is there's no need for us to talk about this every week i don't think i thought the richter part was really good and interesting and it gave me hope for the rest of the book because it starts off with richter this book needs more of this and then we lose it because immediately the richter part is not nearly as good as the rest of the book and what the hell type of creole cajun dialogue is gambit speaking I don't know. I like, there's times when he talks in this book
1: and I don't know what's what the he sounds like a bad
0: he sounds like one of the he sounds like a bad Popeyes commercial, you know, the ones they have set in New Orleans. It's not a real sound at all. I mean Claremont's dialogue for him was much better than that, and Claremont would go over the top with it. No, my friend's dad, Hatcher, his dad, 110% Cajun, and doesn't sound anything like this. <laughs> Uh, I just, uh, somebody needs to work on, and mutant magic. What did you think of that? Mutant magic. Yeah, I didn't care to. Look, I can buy Ileana is in control of Limbo because that's another realm with these demon creatures in it. Uh That's doable to me. We don't need mutant magic. The hell is that? And the mutant formerly known as Apocalypse. This is annoying as all get out. It, the whole thing is to me.
1: I would probably like it more. if, it, if, if I, mean, I know it's supposed to be an X-Men book. If the regular X-Men characters didn't play such a, a major role in the book, I'd probably like it more.
0: Yeah. I, look, it's a good team, and there's a lot to be done there, but they feel like they're obligated to bring back Excalibur, and all they're doing is a rehash of the Claremont Davis British lore gumbo Boy, I'm stuck on the Cajun stuff that they did back in the day. And Excalibur, and I was buying every issue. Excalibur, at its best, was not a great book. It was barely an okay book. There are far better things to explore in the age of Krakoa than this. Yeah. Yeah. We don't need this dynamic. There are things, boy, they were onto something with the Richter part and then it just all fell apart because Apocalypse grabs him and starts talking about mutant magic. So I gave the score on Excalibur a 2.5. That would be writing as a 2. Art was a 4. The art was fine in it. The dynamic was a 1. The guy can draw dragons. Marcus Toe can draw dragons.
1: Yeah, the art's real solid in this book. Yeah. Uh, so I gave it a four
0: and the, the writing and dynamic area of two. Buy a better X book. And we're about to talk about two better X books. Marauders number three. Marauders number three is pretty good. It's mostly, a I guess, a Shaw issue. And if you had told me in the last, say 10 years that I'd be interested in reading a comic book, that's all about Sebastian and Shinobi Shaw, I would have laughed you right out the door. Yeah. But this one, yeah, I was interested in this.
1: Yeah, that is a good job. I've really enjoyed it. I didn't, I really wasn't expecting much at it. I was like, yeah, I don't, I like Shaw, but I never cared for it when, when like anything was just the focus of him. But it was a real
0: good issue. Shaw's a good bad guy. I, I never thought him strong enough to carry his own issue, but this, he really is. There's something else in this aside from just the story. It is the story, but it isn't the story. This issue takes place over the past few various issues of X Books. Yeah. But at no time, at no time do they place a box in there to tell you the story takes place before this story takes place after. Instead, you instinctively know exactly where you are in the timeline, and you don't even have to think about it. And I went back and looked at it, and that's because of the subconscious cues and the background cues that Jerry Dugan is writing into it and uh, Michelle Bandini is drawing into it. You're not lost in this book. And it's telling a complicated story that takes place over a time period of all the other X-Comics. I'm doing this because there's another book that tried something similar to it. It was Spaghetti. We'll get to that later. Yeah, yeah. This book was solid. Really, the technique that Dugan and Bandini used in this book was quite good. This book has legs. The Marauders is a good book. I give The Writing a 5, The Art a 4, and The Dynamic a 4. The overall score for Marauders is 4.5 i will go with that. That'd be my score. It's worth your money. All right, now let's round out the X-Books with the big mama of the X-Books, X-Men number three, written by some guy named Jonathan Hickman, with art by Linnell Francis Yu. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> this was a great comic.
1: <laughs> and it's like, a, it's like a little one-issue story. Pretty much nothing happens in it, but it's a whole hell of a lot of enjoyable nothing. <laughs> Now these old grandmas tried to steal some flowers off the island,
0: and they kicked the X Men's butt. Yeah, I mean it's Cyclops, Emma, and Sebastian, but it's some of the funniest. I, what, yeah, their what
1: dialogue I, is great, especially when they talk bad about Emma. Oh and their personal God!
0: Hygiene. Yeah, when they hit Emma up, and Shaw outright puts his hand over his mouth, laughing, and Cyclops turns his head to the side. This is Hickman's in sync with you. You is in sync with Hickman. This is a wonderful book. It I'm, is. It's great. X-Men is what drew me into comics full time. I'm here to tell you it's great to look forward every month for the X-Men book. It's clever, it's menacing, and it's so much fun. And remember, always, Gateway is always helpful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is what makes these characters great right here. Emma. Emma's wonderful in it. Sebastian's wonderful in it. Cyclops is wonderful in it. And the old women are outstanding in it. Definitely without reservation, pick up X-Men number three, pick up the other two X-Men in front of it. Go back, pick up all of Powers of X and House of X. Hickman's done a wonderful job on this. I just hope that they take a moment to kind of fine-tune Excalibur and Fallen Angels. This whole line, this whole line's been very entertaining. I love looking forward to the X books again. Now that brings us to Savage Avengers number eight with Jerry Dugan on uh, writing it and Mike Diodata on the art. And we have skipped Savage Avengers for a couple of issues and came back to it to revisit it because, you know, once we, once we consistently give something a score, it's okay to step back from it unless it's seems to be a plane crash in which we want to keep you updated yeah. on. Albert, what'd you think of Savage Avengers? It's a pretty good
1: book. I don't don't know. It's like that first arc was real great, and I just ain't been able to get back on page with it.
0: Number seven and eight, just sheer awesome. And the annual was sheer awesome, too. Yeah. Doctor Doom is in seven and eight. And the dialogue between Doctor Doom and Doctor Strange... uh, Doctor Doom hosts Conan at Castle Doom because Conan has stolen the third eye of Agamotto from Kulin Gath. Yeah. This is the way Dr. Doom should be written. This is the way each of these characters should be written. Jerry Dugan is also responsible for dead eyes. He's just knocking it out of the park. I gave this book fives across the board. I gave it threes, but I don't think my score should really count. It's
1: just something, something just doesn't click with me in this book. Like I may go back and reread. I'm going to, I am going to go back and reread it and give it another shot. Cause I think it's just me and not the book.
0: Well, then let's do it. Do you think it's worth their money? Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Okay, yeah, all right. If,
1: if you see the characters in this book and you're interested in them, you know, reading a book with them, then
0: then yeah, read this book. So. Every character that shows up in this book is that character, and it's it's the best version of that character. From Wolverine to Brother Voodoo to Doctor Doom, this is the way it should be written. Yes, I also know, because we'll get letters about this, we'll get emails about this, I also know Doctor Doom number three came out this week. That book is still a negative three. Cantwell has no business writing this book. You want to see how Dr. Doom should be written? Then you pick up Jerry Dugan's Savage Avengers number seven and eight. Eight came out this week. Yeah, that's a five. Do not waste your money on the Dr. Doom book. That's something that's going to be forgotten and written out of canon as quickly as possible. Otherwise, I'm going to have a real meltdown. And that brings us to the granddaddy of comic books. The grandfather of all a comic bookdom. The home of Superman, the first superhero, the home of Captain Marvel, Shazam, and the home of Batman. Let's talk about DC Comics. (laughs) What do you want to start off with? I read four DC Comics. Now, do you want to start off with Justice League Batman, Infected Deathbringer, (laughs) wonderful title, by the way, or Green Lantern Black Stars?
1: The other three, three of them sort of almost run together to some extent, so I guess we should do Deathbringer first.
0: Deathbringer first. Infected Deathbringer, written by Zod Quinn and artist Brent Peoples. I thought this was heretofore undreamt of levels of blandness. What did you think? It's not awful. It's just nothing. Like It's just a big nothing of a book. You read this and you walk away from it and then you forget you've read it. Yeah. It's something that you'll see. Next week, when you go in to get your comics, you may see, uh, you're going to see plenty of copies of this still sitting on shelves, and you're going to think, did I get that?
1: Or no and, copy sitting on the shelf, because no, who even knows the store's being bothered to
0: order it. Well, yeah, you're going to think, did I get that? And And if you're listening to this podcast before you go get your books, you're going to think, no, because Stan and Albert saved me from spending money on this book. Each of these Laughing Bat books, yeah, I know it's the Batman who laughs but I'm calling him Laughing Bat. will never amount to anything more than this. Just bland. When the reveal is a reveal that has been revealed to you at least 15 times since the Metal series, it's not really a reveal anymore. It's more hackneyed stuff. What it comes down to is I, I can't believe they're going to extend this as long as they are, the yeah. Laughing Bat stuff. I, I was kind of depressed by this book. These characters deserve better than that. Uh, it it focuses on Donatroy. The Titans are in it. And lo and behold, people get infected by the Batman who laughs. Wow. More infected superheroes. Oh, my God. Who will save us now? Writing, I gave a 1. Art, I gave a 3. Dynamic, I gave a 1. The score I gave overall was 1.5. Please save your money. How about I you, Robert? Uh,
1: yeah, I wouldn't... I'll would give the, the art a 3 and dynamic a 2. I guess I'd give the writing a 2. Like, I don't want to give the writing a 1. Yeah. Because I didn't think it was awful or even necessarily bad. It's
0: just, like, a, just nothing. I'm not going to remember this book next no. week. OK, next week, somebody else will be infected by the Batman who laughs. And the week after that, somebody else will. And, and because we've done it for five weeks in a row, then we'll have a really big brand name. Yeah. Maybe Wonder Woman will get infected. Then Laughing Bat is going to fight Apex Lex. Oh, my God. Somebody save us. Uh, Neil Gaiman, if you're listening. <laughs> Grant. Well, Grant's already in the mix. And, and we'll get to Grant. Let's do Grant before next to last, okay? Yeah, we'll let's do Justice League, then Black Star, then Batman. Okay. All right. Justice yeah. League number 37. See, Scott Snyder's writing this, right? Yeah. Yeah, Scott Snyder. And uh, who's on art? Jorge Jimenez. Uh, I got a question for you, Albert. What the hell is a justice totality? I don't know, but this book is boring. Well, it, you just do like nonstop, just huge
1: things. This issue bombastic of... Bombastic things or epic things just continually with no... That's all you're doing nonstop, and none of it carries any weight in the story, so it's just all the same. It's all its all just boring at this point.
0: Do you find it boring? I found the last couple of issues boring. I didn't find this one boring. I found this one pretty damn close to enraging.
1: Well, it's got the dumb thing where they hit anti-monitor with, with a car, so
0: it separates him and another dude. I don't... Like, how right. the hell does that even work? The anti-monitor. The being who destroyed all of the multiverse and caused the singularity that is the given DC universe since 1985, even though it, you know, reconstitutes itself, the anti-monitor is now having difficulty with Hulk Girl. And then he literally, literally calls for his mommy because one Green Lantern shows up. And he gets hit by a car. Yeah. I'd like to congratulate Dan Didio. After 15 years of concerted effort, he has finally retconned the DCU into a complete joke. How in the hell would the Anti-Monitor know what a car horn is? Did you catch that? Yeah. Is that a car horn? The Anti-Monitor actually says that. Is that a car horn? It's regurgitive, sewage waste, trying to pass as high concept. It's not Grant Morrison at all. It needs to stop it, and it needs to go away, and this is what gives superhero comics a bad name. I gave it a one5 the art, the art was good in it, and the art is the reason it got the .5. I gave the art a uh, 4 in it.
1: Yeah, I gave the the writing a dynamic a 1. The art, I gave 4. The art, very good
0: art. It's just... Yeah, the art's fine. Well, I, I think... None of it look, matters. None of it, it's a bunch of garbage. James Tinian needs to take over more of this book. James Tinian was responsible for the um, multiverse comic that came out last week with Blue Beetle, the yeah. uh, Infinite Crisis one. Yeah, I hope that's what's happening. I hope James Tinian is slowly taking the reins away from Snyder. Here's hoping. But yeah, you can pass on Justice League. In fact, at the end of the podcast, the money w- that you save on the books we're about to tell you the pass on, we can tell you what to spend on that you're going to be far more pleased with. All right, you wanted to do Green Lantern, Black Stars, number two, next? Yeah. Written by Grant Morrison, art by Zermanico. Morrison manages to work Aunt Harriet into canon, and it's still a better story than Justice it, League.
1: Well, this no, this whole book is about Justice League. That's exactly right. It's about Bendis. It may be about Batman. I don't think I called. It, yeah,
0: it's about Batman too. Oh, it, it's definitely about Batman. Who's at the helm on DC editorial? Of course, I always have believed that Grant Morrison has a nobody interferes policy.
1: Yeah, they're going to let him do what he wants. But this is this book's very. Like, it's almost the equivalent of Animal Man on as far as meta stuff goes.
0: Yeah, and if you want commentary on the other books that came out this week, then you get it, Green yeah, Lantern, Black it's, Stars.
1: Instead he, of he know, the Dark Universe, he calls it the the, the, the Verse. Yes. Instead of the Batman Who Laughs, he calls them Bat-Manson. bat
0: Batman's- <laughs> He makes fun of Ben's dialogue. He rounds out what's wrong with it. This is a complaint letter. This is a sit up and take notice. And quite honestly, I'm surprised it got published. Yeah, they, they make fun of the fact that
1: people are always taking Batman to place.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, that's the Aunt Harriet joke. <laughs> I also think that Grant needs to write this conversion of Wonder Woman into continuity. That scene where she's telling the the Minosaur, "Spread your legs, Tyrant Bull. Let me show you what justice is." With and she's standing over him with a sword. Yeah. <laughs> now this is a Wonder Woman book I can get. <laughs>
1: And he talks about, you know, like like there's like a huge thing about, you know, Snyder's writing house and the way they do it. It's just one giant universe shattering thing after another and all this other junk.
0: You don't think it's because Grant knows they're trying to rip Grant's concepts off? It could. That and he just he just isn't a fan of co- superhero comics like that. He hey, like, okay. You know, he likes
1: superhero comics to be like superheroes, you know.
0: And I'm with him all the way on this. I gave the writing a five on Green Lantern, Black Stars, the art a four, the dynamic of five score was 4.5. Green Lantern, Black Stars, definitely worth, worth your money. Grant Morrison knows what he's doing in this book. There's actually a story there going on yeah, uh, amidst all the commentary, and it, it's... It's the Wonder Woman scene by itself is worth three dollars and ninety nine cents. So I like the
1: wedding scene with all the different vampires in the
0: background. There's a lot he writes into this. Zermanico is great on the art, but not as good as Grant's writing. Grant's a force to be reckoned with. Pick up Green Lantern Black Stars; it's well worth your money. What? What yeah, score I gave did it, you give? I gave fives across the board. Okay, I figured you'd give it an all five. I I, I, I like the art, but I. Yeah, I'd like to see somebody else with Grant. Zermanico is great on this and he shouldn't be removed from it, but for whatever reason it wasn't it wasn't level five. Well, un-
1: well, Zermanico is only here for the black stars.
0: Yeah, no, I know that. Yeah, Lim Sharp was yeah. Green later, Yeah, I'm talking yeah, I'm just talking about the Black Stars at the moment. Let's go ahead and do it. Batman eighty four, Albert, go with it. <laughs> what a stupid, stupid comic. You know how I always
1: say I always hated it when the Kevin Smith wrote Daredevil. Yeah. And he liked and I magically, like magically, like, and he made Mysterio the bad guy for no good reason. Yeah. It's this times like 80, because all of a sudden Professor Zoom's the real bad guy.
0: <sighs> well, okay. I looked at it like this going back and spackling the tremendous gaps in the foundation that you left at the time you were building the structure. I'm wording this carefully. It does not strengthen the structure. It weakens it and causes more problems with the foundation. This issue should not have been allowed to happen.
1: Now, also, uh, whatever editor's responsible for this book needs to be fired. Even small things like the, the things that happened in the Flashpoint universe with, like, Alfred and Penguin, none of that stuff, that's not even remotely how that stuff
0: was put together in the original Flashpoint. Nope. Nope, 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 nope. It is now because that's, it, it's not, it's not, it wasn't. What the attempt was here is to get you to look at this and say, oh my God, it all makes sense. But it's like releasing a movie into the theater and letting it do its initial run and then hearing what people say is wrong with it and then taking that movie, going back and changing the scenes and adding new scenes that happened in the past and then putting it back out and expecting a better reaction when the scenes that are put in it are not helping at all. No, this I, is,
1: I mean, I'm sure he planned this from the start or, or something. This is just not,
0: just no good. Then it's poor storytelling because this looks this looks like something he's come up with with the last minute. We're not going to call him out by name or anything. Everybody knows. We will say a, his name. We'll say
1: Hitler's name.
0: Hitler is a historical figure. <laughs> I gave the writing a one, the art a two, the dynamic a one. The overall score for Batman was 1.5. You can honestly skip it. Next issue is supposed to be the big conclusion to it. If you want to pick that up, great. You're not going to lose anything by the There's a big flaming mistake in this editorial-wise, editors at DC Comics. This gives us a definitive timeline as to when this takes place. And I got news for you. Alfred is alive and well in Doomsday Clock, because none of Doomsday Clock is happening at the time this is. No. So anyway, there we go. That's Batman. Now, I get depressed when we have to, you know, say stuff like that when we have to deal with stuff like that i'm trying to make it entertaining and i'm not taking much joy in saying negative things i am going to tell you you take your money from not spending it on infected deathbringer and batman and justice league and you should have let's see they're four dollars a piece four times three is 12 congratulations you now have more than enough to buy new year's evil number one with a a variety of writers and a variety of artists. And it's their holiday book. And it focuses on bad guys. This is far better than all of the other DC Comics that came out today. Buy it. I know it's $10, but you have that $10 because you didn't buy the bad books. Mm -hmm. This is what it's like to enjoy these characters in excellent and fun and smart stories. I don't think there was a bad story in it. No, I I, I didn't
1: care for the Harley one just because it's Harley.
0: but But no, they're all pretty good. I even thought that was, you know, that was character development. There was a lot of character to it. It had Montoya and Harley in it. Every, and entertaining is all, the Joker story is funny, morbidly funny. The Toy Man story is all cute. And the Prankster story is funny and entertaining. This is a, it focuses on the bad guys. It's called New Year's Evil. It's the thick book and the DC section of your comic book store that came out this week, it's their holiday book. $10. It's well worth the $10. It is I worth gave $10. It, it really is. And we don't say that often. We're, you really have to go out of your way with this. The Thor situation, no, that Thor book is not worth the additional money. New Year's Evil is worth it. Fives across the board. And there's various artists and various writers in it, but they they all brought their A game to it. Yeah, I'll give it a five. And all these stories, it's fun. It's entertaining stories. It's the characters you love and the way you love to see them. They're all bad guys. I mean, there are superheroes in it, but this is entertaining. This is DC Comics. This is what it should be. They should take a cue from there, and maybe editorial should ring Green Lantern, Black Stars, and (laughs) take Grant at his word. Yeah. Okay, well, that ends up our reviews for this week. Albert, you feel like running over a few comics that are scheduled to come out next week? Yeah. Well, some of the comics we're going to try to get around to reviewing next week. We're planning on reviewing Criminal Macabre coming out from Dark Horse next week. Lucy Claire Redemption number one. From Image Comics. Undiscovered Country number two. I'm looking forward to that one, aren't you? Yeah. That first issue was really whacked out. We're going to pick it up. At this point, I'm going to call that one a yeah. You're we're going to probably recommend it. it the question is we don't know. This is a weird comic, but definitely, definitely. IDW publishing's going to have dying is easy. Number one come out. We'll take a look into that one. The Joe Hill graphic novel collection. While we're while we don't necessarily review the trade paperbacks rather than when a series or something ends, we say whether or not we think it's worth picking up trade paperback. Joe Hill has had some good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, Stephen King's son. So, yeah, you might probably want to look at that trade when it comes out next week. From DC Comics, Detective number 1017. I don't know. Are we going to talk about that? We may talk about it. We'll just give a thumbs up or thumbs down to that one. And we're going to check back in with Gotham City Monsters number four. We reviewed the first one. We've let it ride a little bit. We're going to come back to that and see how it's doing. Albert, you really liked that one, didn't you? Yeah, it's been an okay book. Ocean Master, Year of the Villain, one shot. We're going to do that one. Hopefully, this one will have something to it. One of the, you know, the year, the the, the one shots have been hit or miss in this. I like the Riddler situation a lot. Yeah. Superman number eighteen, Clark Kent's big reveal that he's Superman again to the world. Lord. Yeah. Well. Yeah. But. Yeah. Well. We'll. We'll talk about it. We're, g- we're going to take a look at that one. Tales from the Dark Multiverse, the Judas Contract. Look, I've liked more of the multi- Dark Multiverses than I've uh, disliked them. So, And I've lo- I have love the Judas Contract storyline and Teen Titans. So I'm curious to see what they do with that. How about you?
1: Yeah, I'll give it a shot.
0: Yeah, most of the Dark Multiverse have been pretty good. It really has. Amazing Mary Jane number three we'll check in with from Marvel Comics. Not just your typical pretty cover comic book, but there are some pretty covers to it. That's a good story, too. Ooh, and the rest of the Annihilation Scourges come out. Uh, Beta Ray Bill, Silver Surfer, uh, those two come out. And look, I this is something I was not looking forward to, but based on how well the Fantastic Four Nova went, yeah, I'm down for that. Aren't you? Yeah, I'm looking forward to We're going to give Doom 2099 number one a spin. Fantastic Four number 17 also comes out. Well, and one of mine and Albert's favorite books, Immortal Hulk. So we're going green next week, Albert. That's good. <laughs> ah, going green, Immortal Hulk. That is a funny joke. We'll take a look at the X books, including New Mutants that come out. Look, we're we recommend New Mutants. We're both pretty set on that. Silver Surfer, Black Trade Paperback Treasury Edition comes out next week. It's twenty nine ninety nine retail, and I, I'm going to recommend it. I, I just love that is a whacked out book. The artwork is spectacular. It fits it. It was a wonderful story. And also, if you're following the symbiote stuff, it does sort of kind of play into that. Yeah. But but even has a standalone Silver Surfer book. This is if you like Silver Surfer, this is why you like Silver Surfer. So we both it, it's kind of a no brain. Would you spend twenty nine ninety nine on the trade, Albert? Yeah, I would. It? Yeah. I do, yeah, I would too. I know that's a bit, that's $30, but look, that trade's going to reprint that art in an even better format, and yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Symbiote Spider-Man, Alien Reality, number one of five, new miniseries kicks off. We'll take a look into that one. God knows it's got enough covers coming out, but is it a good story? We'll see. And, and again, we, they keep pushing the symbiotes. I haven't tired of them yet, but I'm, I'm getting close to it. We're going to check back in with Jane Foster Valkyrie, Issue number six comes out next week. We like the first two or three issues, and then we let it ride for a little bit, so we're going to come back and revisit that. Is that okay with you, Albert?
1: Yeah, I'm okay with that.
0: All right, Albert. Well, this Sunday night, this Sunday is going to be pretty big for us. We're supposed to talk to Chris Faison, uh, Faison sometime that day, artist extraordinaire, creator of Elk Bar and Hero Happy Hour, formerly known as Superhero Happy Hour, a uh, professional comic book writer, artist, creator, and we're also going to do media mess after Watchmen goes off. So are you excited about that? Yeah.
1: Well, you cool got a lot to say?
0: Yeah. You got a lot to say on Watchmen? Yeah. Got a lot to say about Faison? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, we'll draw him out of his shell. He He's kind of shy and retiring. <laughs> Well what else you got to say, Albert? You done any Christmas shopping?
1: I mean I'm, I'm, I'm only buying for two people and they're both bought four, so Well you're done then. I guess. I'll I'll buy more stuff it off between now and Christmas. i always do that. Okay. Did you go to see knives out? I haven't had free time to watch anything. All right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Nothing else going on? <laughs> Not really. I had a big January plan for you, man. After the holidays and everything settled in. We we're going try we're going to attempt to do our first camera interview okay yeah and I've been working on the YouTube stuff. I, I just want it to be perfect. We haven't forgotten the Superman special or anything else. We just have to go a different direction with a couple of things here. It's always taking that first step that's the hardest in these things. Albert, also, and I didn't tell you this. you know, A couple of weeks ago, I posted that thing when we got 5,000 listens to the podcast. And, and again, thank you all very much. But in a very short time, and I didn't catch this, we're well over 6,000 listens to this podcast now. That's great. Yeah, I cannot think uh, albert and i we cannot thank you enough our listeners out there you're clearly spreading the word Please, please, please keep the accolades coming. Like I said, love us, hate us, indifferent to us. Just write us, let us know. Kingdom Casts, yeah. that's Kingdom, C-A-S-T-S at gmail.com and Kingdom Comics at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook as Kingdom Cast and Kingdom Comics. Both have Facebook pages and on Twitter as well. Both both on Twitter as well. So please keep it coming. Give us five stars. Do write in, let us know. Ask, you know. Ask your questions any and everything. We cannot thank you enough for this. And there are things coming. We've got things in the work and hopefully we'll have some forward movement and some announcements coming up in 2020 that you're really going to enjoy. Albert, that about it? That's about it. Okay. Well, good night, everybody, and we'll talk to you soon. Media Mess should be next one up and a uh, interview with Chris Faison. I'm not sure if we're going to incorporate that into a regular episode or give it a special, but either way, watch for those two things. Uh, watch for Chris Faison in the next week or so. Media Mess should, I hope, have Media Mess posted by Tuesday of next week. Once again, I'm Stan. That's Albert. Albert, say good night to people. Good night,
1: everybody.